If you want to crush your quota, you're in the right place. My first year in sales, I sold $758,000 on a $150,000 quota, and that was just the beginning. I'm your host, Mary Grothy. I'm a former number one B2B mid-market SaaS sales rep turned CEO. I've sold millions in revenue, broken multiple records, and now I run a company that rebuilds revenue engines and creates top sales performance. This isn't a show about achieving quota. This isn't about being okay in sales. This is about being number one and learning what it takes to crush your quota. My personality is so unique. I think everybody just thinks I'm this massive extrovert, but, and I think I've, I think I identified as that actually for a lot of years in sales, because when I receive an invitation and feel welcomed into a conversation, I can be super chatty. I'm outgoing. I do think I get energy from people. And so it was just assumed I'm an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. But then over the years, I started reading that there's a lot more than just simply introvert and extrovert. There's ambivert. And I thought, well, maybe I'm more of that, but I never really dove into it to determine if there were some advantages or disadvantages. I feel like with a lot of people, their perception of salespeople, they think, oh, salespeople have to be extroverts if they're going to be successful in sales because, you know, they have to talk to people all day long. So that must mean that they uh, they need to be outgoing. So we brought on a very special guest today because I clearly don't know a ton about this subject and I'm really eager to learn more. Our topic today is sales for introverts and ambiverts and how in our guest experience, they're often better at sales. And who is our guest, might you ask? Today, we have brought on somebody who we have a very similar background, and it makes me so happy that she is here. She's also a featured trainer on salesbq.com with our Quota Crusher training. So please go see what her offering is. If you guys missed the memo, guys, gals, anyone listening to this, if you missed the memo, we now have featured trainers on salesbq.com. We have grown our Quota Crusher sales community. Um, I mean, gosh, we have thousands of people in our community now. We ourselves, SalesBQ, we transitioned our brand into House of Revenue, where we're focusing on revenue scaling work for CEOs. We don't do ad hoc one-on-one sales training coaching anymore, but that is okay because we have a community of amazing sales trainers that we have featured, trainers and coaches. They want to meet you. You can go read about them, explore their profiles, their offering, their experience where they shine. And if somebody piques your interest and say, I want to meet that person, fill out the contact us form. But today we have Alicia Barr. She has probably as much energy as I do. So I think this podcast, maybe she has more. I don't know. This podcast is going to be very entertaining. She's a sales and marketing strategist, and she's known for showing introverts the secret art of subtle selling. Honestly, like subtle selling sounds way more attractive than pushy, over-aggressive, annoying, sleazy sales. So that's that's good. But she sold millions in revenue in the corporate world. She got tired of the BS. That's where I said we have a similar <laughs> feelings about the sales world. Both of us sold billions. We got tired of how it was being done. But she, uh, part of that BS um, was just after discovering that introverts are usually top salespeople when they stop trying to act like extroverts. So she took her 12 years of successful experience and created a sales strategy specialized for introverts. Hopefully many of you are like, hallelujah, 
are listening to this because finally someone is acknowledging you, hearing you, and doing something to help you. So now introverts and ambiverts can stop forcing extroverted strategies and sell more with a sales approach that's customized to their strengths. So putting money where her mouth is, her approach helped introverts win 6.2 million in business last year alone. On average, her clients have three to eight times more people saying yes to their offers after working with her. Alicia, welcome to the Quota Crusher podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm so honored to be invited and featured on the site, and I'm just so happy to have met you. Well, I couldn't agree more about that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to share with our listeners your story and how you got to this point. I want to hear specifically about the BS component. Um, So lay it out there for us. Let's hear your story. Oh, man. Well, we talked about this the first time that we talked. And um, the problem with corporate is usually they're making, well, there's a couple of things. Um, Either they're making everybody do the exact same process, even though everybody isn't exactly the same. So a lot of people don't have success with it, or they're just throwing you in with absolutely no support or direction or strategy. Um, So those two things often end up in somebody thinking that they're bad at sales. And the thing is, nobody, people are different. And I know that sounds obvious, but if it is so obvious, then you wouldn't make everybody do sales the same way. Um, You would just want them to get results. Who cares how they do it as long as it's ethical, right? Um, and then obviously like the BS at corporate is that I really got tired of was, um, they don't care so much about the quality of client results. (laughs) It's just like, Hey, um, could it be better? Sure. But that would be extra work. So could you please stop bringing it to my attention? And if you don't, I'm going to have to move you to a different apartment or potentially fire you. Um, so I was pretty tired of that because it's like embarrassing at a point to be constantly apologizing to your clients about, you know, the lack of delivering whatever was promised and and paid for. Um, and the decisions just being made didn't always seem to make sense, like goals. <laughs> and I'm sure you experienced that where like they don't get the salesperson's buy-in at all and it seems arbitrary and yeah. It is. It is uh, too common, unfortunately. I know specifically in my career, I had significant challenges with overselling, but it didn't feel like overselling because we had very clear direction on what the technology could and couldn't do and the service could and couldn't do. So we sold within that, but the gap was the team that was responsible for the implementation and the delivery of it. They weren't set up for success. One, they were under-trained. Two, they were understaffed. Three, They just had way too many clients assigned to them. So I think it wasn't against them personally in their hearts. Like they really wanted to do great work, but they had to do it blindfolded with their hands behind their back. And then here the salespeople were working so hard to build the trust and credibility and win the business. And then things do fall apart. And like you, I multiple times, probably multiple times every single day, wanted to share this feedback with people who I thought would care to hear the story. Unfortunately, the corporation was just so large that one person barking and saying these things, it was a matter of, well, we love your production and we love having you here, but we're just kind of tired of dealing with you. And the thing is, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's like, I can't stand by this because 
I'm making promises to clients, which are real promises. I know we're capable of doing them, but we don't do them. So something has to give in that component. And it sounds like you experience some of the same frustrations. Yeah, I think it's just all too common when companies get big. And I wish that there was a way to maintain like integrity and quality as you grow. I don't know if anyone's been able to do it, but like large I, corporations. I agree. I don't, right. I don't know. Find me one. Somebody, somebody send me a message on LinkedIn right now and tell me your favorite large corporation <laughs> that didn't fall apart on the back end when they scaled. I, I'm really curious to know. Same. So, I mean, I know everything has pros and cons, but, um, I think that a lot of the top salespeople are top salespeople because they really believe in what they're selling. And that's definitely something that's true for introverts and ambiverts. Um, so that's, I mean, most salespeople are people who want to sell with conviction. It's hard to sell something that you just straight up don't believe in. But um, some of them really, really care more than others. Like will go to bat or leave a company because it gets like their conscience can't take it at a point. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And I want to hear more. Go ahead and define in your own definition, introvert, ambivert, ex extrovert. Let's talk about those in your definition and share with me what you identify to be the biggest challenges when extroverted strategies are pushed down onto introverts and ambiverts. Yeah. So it doesn't a lot of people think that being introverted has to do with being shy and being extroverted has to do with being outgoing. And that actually doesn't have anything to do with them. Um, there are shy extroverts and there are outgoing introverts. It's one of the main um, indicators is how you get energy from people. So if you are an introvert, you feel drained after in-person interaction. So like think of a networking event. Do you need to recharge afterwards? Or are you like, let's go to happy hour. Like who's ready to go to the bar or whatever. Like I was always so impressed at events when people could go for drinks afterwards because I was exhausted, especially those like multiple day events. Like, I don't know. I was toast at the end of a three-day event. Um, and an extrovert is more energized. Like they can't even go to sleep. They're so excited. Um, another big indicator is verbal processing versus like, I have to think before I speak, um, like give me a moment to process it. So I am actually a verbal processor. I really benefit from talking things out. Um, but that really trips a lot of introverts up on sales meetings because they want to say things the exact perfect right way all the time. Um, and so they get really tangled up in their mind. And a lot of times if they just lean into their intuition, they'll do a lot better than trying to like formulate what they're going to say or like look back and think like I should have said it this perfect way and like beat themselves up about it. Um, and a lot of extroverts are just like kind of more charming and good at like winging it would say. Um, and introverts feel like they need to be just as smooth, but nobody actually works with someone because they're smooth or because they're charming. Like, yeah, it's nice. And sometimes you'll meet someone who is just such a salesperson that it's like entertaining almost like they're like, so got the lines and the little jokes. And you're like, you're so salesy in a not terrible way, but like, you know, but what really sells someone is just that you care and can take care of them. And that is something that usually introverts and ambiverts are really good at. So a lot of the strategies focus more on like, 
uncovering pain or like manipulating people in a certain way um, to back them into a corner, into a sale. And it just doesn't jive very well with, with introverts and ambiverts because it, it's not super authentic typically. Yeah, I would agree with that. So here, yeah, here's what we're going to dig into. I care so much about creating a phenomenal experience for my prospects and clients that I'll do whatever it takes to dig in and understand and align, emotionally connect, be emotionally invested into solving their problems and ensure that it is coming across and that they're receiving my intention, which is to serve them. Now, I have heard I'm salesy. I'm over, I'm very passionate and enthusiastic person. With that, just in my innate personality, I'm a persuader. And in normal conversation, I don't even know I'm doing it. I've been this way my whole life. Like this feeds into the argument, are salespeople born or are they made? I think the true answer is both. But I've had sales in my DNA as a persuader my whole life. It could be like part of the product of being the youngest of four and uh, trying to get out of trouble. But I've always had a way, I can hear it even when I'm talking to my son. I hear it in the way I ask questions. I know how to frame a question to get what I want out of it, but I don't even know I'm doing it. And so sometimes people will point it out to me to say, well, that's not really a fair question to ask him because you're leading the witness, if you will. Like you're taking him to the direction that you want. It wasn't a true answer of where, you know, where he wants to eat tonight. And so an example of that could be like, what would you like for dinner? Done. Or there's Mary who asks a leading question of, hey, I don't have anything here for dinner tonight, so we're going to go out to eat. So we have these options and we could go do pizza, but don't forget you have pizza day tomorrow. So if you would rather not have pizza two days in a row, we could also go and get Chinese tonight. And so that may be the better option, but what did you want to do? Well, I've already like led them down the path. And so subconsciously they're going in that direction like, oh, well, I can't have pizza. What if the kid wants pizza two days in a row? I should just ask him the question if I truly cared about what he wanted. Why am I even asking what he wants if I'm already deciding that on his behalf? So sometimes I feel like I have those tendencies, but I don't know if that's introvert or extrovert or maybe I'm in the middle. So I thought that that might be what you meant when you said that. And I don't think that that is salesy. Um, I think that's giving someone all the facts. So you've Ooh. thought through all the facts and you're presenting all the facts and you're giving them the option. Maybe they maybe they want two nights pizza. I'm not going to judge that. So I'm the same way. Like sometimes people are like, well, when you put it like that, and I'm like, well, I'm not putting it any other way than the truth. Like I'm just give, like, presenting mm -hmm. all of the information. Um, and, you know, like sometimes people are missing information. They're not thinking through things the same way. So to be able to offer things in different lights, like you could have it two nights in a row and pizza two nights in a row can be super fun or you could have Chinese and pizza. So mm -hmm. like, it's like without judgment of which one is, it's not like one is right or wrong, but your son totally might've forgotten that he was going to have pizza the next night. And maybe the next night he would have been like, oh, but I had it last night. And you would have been like, Ugh, I should have mentioned it. I knew I should have. You know? <laughs> well, that makes me feel better about myself. Maybe I'm not too salesy. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, maybe I need someone to like psychoanalyze <laughs> me and tell me. So so let's transition here in the conversation. So we've got a, a decent definition on the introvert, the extrovert. I, ambivert would be somebody that has both tendencies and qualities. Can you dig into the ambivert a little bit more? 
Yeah. So the ambivert, like, so for example, I'm totally drained in um, client or not client, just in-person interactions. And I just definitely need my alone time, like where it's just me um, to recharge, but I'm also a verbal processor. So that would be an example of an ambivert or somebody who like really enjoys people and likes them, but is drained. So they're not like super reserved. So somebody who's like a blend of the two, but, or there are like extra, um, introverted extroverts too, which I really feel for those people because they get energy from other people, Mm -hmm. but like they also get overwhelmed by people. Like if they need to think through things, for example, um, and it's like too much stimulation. So they're, I, I think shy and confident, which is usually associated with it is really an indicator of confidence more so than anything else. Cause you, like you can be an introvert and not talk that much, but be confident in what you're saying. Have you ever met those people? They're just like not trying to chat your ear off, but like, they're very sure of yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. I actually have a lot of respect for that style of person because I'm so verbose. I'm so chatty. I'm so outspoken. I'm also uh, needing to process out loud, but it's so interesting hearing what you're saying because I also need time by myself. Like after a work day, I don't want to immediately rush into being a wife and a mom. Like I need time so that I can get myself back together so that I can go be great for more people throughout the day. I need the recharge. I'm not the one that wants to go to the happy hour after the networking event. But what's interesting is I used to be. I used to be the person that couldn't get enough of those events. I'd do a three-day trade show and party all night long. Maybe that's just a, a wow. because I was in my 20s <laughs> and I could do it. But now you'll never find me out afterward. Like when that event, that floor is done. Well, we don't even have trade shows right now. But hey, when we get back to it. But when that event's done, it's like I'm done. I'm in my room. It's quiet time. I'll put on something stupid I'm not even watching on TV just so I can sit there in my own room, like quiet with my own thoughts, and I'm absolutely exhausted. So I have a lot of these tendencies. So I'm, I'm guessing I'm somewhat in somewhere and somewhat in the middle of it as well. I also find myself to be very shy around other people if I don't know them. I don't like going up to strangers. I don't like starting conversations. I wait for an invitation. When there's an invitation or someone asks me a question, I'll talk forever. Otherwise, if I don't have the invitation, I just don't want to speak up. I don't want to do that talking. I want to ask them that question first and wait for the opportunity for them to invite me into it. Otherwise, like it feels icky to me and I don't even want to assert myself into something or you know, into a conversation or really on someone's agenda. So again, maybe I need someone to psychoanalyze me. I don't know. How about how about this? Were you ever the person who would talk to someone they didn't know for an entire plane ride? Would I talk to the person? I never talk to people on the plane ever. So I'm the same way. If I accidentally get in a conversation with someone on a plane, I will be completely drained by the end of it. And there are people who absolutely love that. Like they are jazzed after that plane ride, after talking to this stranger for three hours straight. Um, So I think you always... You probably, we talked about this before. I think with the trade, before when you were doing more networking events and trade shows, mm-hmm. there might've been another motivation there of like perpetuating business, like getting more yeah. successful, getting sales. So there was like a different motivator in line there. It wasn't just for the sake of like, I don't care what we're doing. I just need to do something. Right. Yeah, I love that. So hopefully this is resonating with our audience today. I think it is helpful to understand these characteristics about us and how we process and where our energy is coming from and how we are in our comfort levels and our confidence levels in the sales conversation. I'm, I'm so curious when you're working with a client, 
How do you get them to that 3x, 8x more in yeses from their pipeline versus what they have today? And what is that? What are, if it, is it mental mindset? Is it a process? Is it a methodology? Like, what are you doing in your work that's so transformative? Yeah. So really, I just custom craft things for people's personality, audience, and um, service. So the issue a lot of times is that sales strategies are generically applied to every industry. So like somebody who is selling how to show someone to set up an agency or selling digital marketing services versus somebody who is selling a product that helps them eliminate migraines. Those are two totally different services and audiences, and they should not have the same sales approach, but that, that's what's recommended. So it just doesn't make sense. So a lot of it is like, and then the personality. So people, there's a misconception that you have to do a lot of repetitions of something for it to work that can be like unpa- like really painful. So you end up wasting a lot of leads, having a lot of draining experiences. But if you have something that fits your personality that you feel confident delivering, and you feel like clearly represents you and represents what you're selling and resonates with your audience, it will work right away. So that's usually how we get the higher return is that whatever they're using isn't customized to them. They're saying something that feels weird. So the prospect feels weird too, or it's not the language their prospect would use. So they don't understand what they're saying, or, um, it was just for a completely different product or service. And, um, as soon as we just tweak the language and the approach, a lot of times people will be even asking questions that don't even give them any relevant information. It's really um, interesting how I can start working with someone and be like, why are you asking these questions? And it's like, well, I saw someone else in my industry ask it. So I thought that I should ask it or I read it in a book somewhere. So I thought I should ask it. And it's like, no, just think about how, what would help you understand actually what's going on in the client situation and if you could help them. And I'm guessing it's these questions. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. So let's ask these. And then my whole thing is pitch weaving. So being able to like subtly give a bite-sized pitch after each um, answer to a question, instead of it being like this interrogation, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. Um, And it just being like a transparent conversation about that, about like, okay, it sounds like it can help you. And here's how I would do that. And, you know, does that feel like it would be effective for you? So like coming from that, just, I think people forget a lot of times that a sales conversation is just a conversation with another human who has interests and a life and a family. And it's the same type of conversation they would have with someone who's like, where should I eat in your town? And you're like, well, what's your budget and where are you staying? It's like the same conversation. So that lack, like taking away that pressure and giving them that confidence that they don't need to act like someone else. They don't need to copy anyone else. They just need to do what allows them to understand if they can really help someone and then tell them in a way that's clear and help them. It just makes all the, all the difference. Okay. This sounds just some, this may sound simple, but I'm giving you my full endorsement. This is exactly the equation that I have personally used in my, I don't know how long I've been technically selling, uh, 13 years, 14 years. And I guess I've never really broken it down the way that you just did. This is something that I need to reiterate what you just said and help the audience understand. When you are sounding scripted, 
when you're sounding like you're asking a question just to ask a question, when you are using language that's not your buyer's, when you're showing up to a sales conversation or a sales process in a way that doesn't feel natural, like it's pulling you into the rapid fire 20 questions, which is not a conversation, FYI. If you feel like you're not allowed to talk about you, your company, or anything that you do or how you might solve their problems until you're in the pitch step of the process, that's bad. Yes. So this is by far the most sound, concise advice that I have heard. Let me just say this one more time. Sales is a conversation. There is no playbook that says what you can and cannot say and when to do it and when to not. There is nuance and that's why there's an art and that's what you said. It's the subtle art. There is an art to just simply having a conversation with someone and as you uncover a need, a problem, a challenge, a situation, you dig into that and you with all of your heart and right intent in helping that person, you talk it through and in that moment, as you're fact finding, you can subtly add in components of how you might solve that problem or help them to a solution or even spitball or brainstorm or think of ideas about together. You could work together to a solution. You're earning trust. They're lowering their guard. They're saying yes to you in bite-sized pieces because you're earning that because you're doing a phenomenal job in the conversation. Meanwhile, it's not stressing you out and you're not acting like you're trying to be someone that you aren't and you're not manipulating a conversation. And you're not losing energy and wondering if this is the right career for you. <laughs> what you have laid out for us is so beautiful. And I have to give you my absolute full endorsement. Alicia Barr is on salesbq.com. She is taking clients. If you are struggling and you just need that tiny little tweak in the sales process and you're not sure where you're missing the mark, like, gosh, my discovery conversations just feel a little forced or they feel awkward or I, I don't have confidence in what I'm saying or, or I'm just not yielding conversions and great outcomes or they're choosing my competition or they're always negotiating with me on price and I'm just not conveying the right value. How do I do that this is somebody that you need to talk to, you need to engage with, go fill out the, the form and she'll chat with you and figure out if this is a good fit or not. You have been an absolute dream to have as a guest today. I literally feel like the last eight minutes should be life-changing for every salesperson <laughs> listening to this. And is there anything else you want to share and close us out with today? No, um, I appreciate that endorsement so much. And I've actually never had anybody like get it so clearly right away, Mary. And I had a feeling that you were that um, type of salesperson. And most um, really good salespeople do naturally do this without realizing it. They just have a, com it's just a conversation of how to, to help someone and letting them know how to do it in a, in a, like you said, a, a nuanced way. So. It can be taught. It's beautiful. But sometimes so it's outside natural. of <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yeah, sometimes it is natural. The five year old is like always winning and convincing in every conversation. Anywho, <laughs> um, so people can find you on our site, but also can you give out your direct contact information so people can also uh, find you or learn more about you? Yeah, definitely. So it's AliciaBar.com. Um, and my name's spelled really weird. So will there be like sales like notes or something? Oh yeah, we'll put notes in the show. Yep. Okay. So aliciabar.com. And I do have a group where I, a Facebook group where I give away a lot of free information um, called sales is not a dirty word. Yes. 
It's not. <laughs> it just happens to be like the greatest profession ever. I mean, I, yeah. I think so. Anywho, thank you so much for joining us today. You have been an incredible guest and I cannot wait for people to flood your inbox with that contact us for about salesbq.com. Just scroll to the bottom and check out Alicia Barr as our featured trainer. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Did you like it? Be sure to give us a rating and share it with your friends. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Lastly, if your company needs a boost in revenue, like real revenue growth, send me a message and we'll discuss how our team builds revenue engines for our clients, covering all facets like marketing, sales, rev ops, and customer success. Until next time.